I remember things just collapsing in my life and kind of trying to figure some things out. And as I was riding that motorcycle, I was like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, the one thing about this is I'm riding this bike right now. Things aren't good, but I'll never forget looking up and going, but I can sell. And at the end of the day, you can't keep a dog down that can sell stuff. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. And I'm excited here today because I think storytelling is a lot of fun. And when you learn how to tell stories, you really do attract people your way, kind of like music, which you'll kind of see here too. But I'm excited to introduce Keith Griffiths. Hey, mission to dri mission driven entrepreneurs rise up, stand out, impact millions with your story. What's up, brother? How you doing? How you doing? Thanks for having me. This is this is good stuff. That's cool, man. Yeah, I keep telling everybody I keep trying to get back in my office, but I got a little Wi-Fi issue. So I keep <laughs> keep telling everyone we're casting in the kitchen. Casting. There we go. I like that. Casting in the kitchen. That could be its own show. Dude, and we were just talking a minute ago on how kind of some of our same studios and things like that. How how cool? Uh, how long have you been playing guitar? Well, I'm hoping you play. Uh, yeah, I do. Stand? Yeah, okay. it's not just it's not just going to get show. you there, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's not just for show. No, I've been playing since high school, you know, which is longer okay. than I'd like to admit to myself. No, uh -huh. you know, so uh, yeah, so I'm a singer originally. So so vocalist uh, played in a band and, you know, the acoustic guitar when the band went away was my best friend. So it kept me uh -huh. playing. So Dude, that's freaking awesome. That's awesome. So I'm going to dive like right in here and I'm going to go back to something that you said a little while back. And as I go through these, I always like to kind of see what your reaction is during this time. And you said people offline don't get that online friends are real. I tell people I run a group of 1300 passionate entrepreneurs and they think it is cute. They don't realize that this is a powerful thing. This was back in 2015. How much of that has changed? Or do you still see some of those principles the same? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Wow, that's a great question, first of all. Um, I think what's really amazing is that <clears throat> the relationships that I developed online in 2015 have come full circle. In fact, I was just messaging with someone from that group of people that I brought together, which I would call it the island of misfit toys at the time, um, was just bringing people who had passion that were struggling and trying to do it alone together. And those same principles exist online. Now, uh, those relationships, some of those people have gone on to do multiple millions of dollars with uh, offers that were started just from that group, you know, some mm -hmm. direct conversations with me, giving them direction, coaching them, uh, either officially or unofficially, uh, and they've gone on. But what's amazing is those relationships didn't die. I reach out to those people and just said, Hey, you know, I'm back, you know, here's what I'm doing. And it was like, Oh my God, the spark reignited and people mm. like, Oh, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's how you show up. I think those relationships are a thousand percent real. If you're showing up with the intention of them being real, you know, it's kind of the, what's true in the mind is true. So if you feel that it's Ooh, that was good, stop, stop. That was really good. <laughs> what's in the mind is true. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So what's true to you is, yeah. is true. And that energy and that connection doesn't go away. Um, what is different now is that the world has adopted digital communication as a natural extension of the human condition, right? We right. haven't, there was a, an entire world that used to only believe that you did things offline or you did them online. And it's sort of interesting because I think in the next five years, we're going to just see people drop this online coaching that's like saying telephone coaching, right? Like, it's just going to be like, it's the medium. That's not what it is. It's, it's coaching or it's, you know, marketing or it's business building. And I've witnessed this happen where it was like, it was internet, it was online. And so it was like, this was this fringe thing. Now it just mm. is now because everybody knows how to hop on zoom, even your grandparents and, you know, nieces and nephews and, and the, different forms of messaging have just become commonplace. So, you know, texting with people, um, messenger with people, like it's become so natural now over the last two years with the pandemic that I think those relationships are truer now than they even were five years ago. I was just talking with someone yesterday 
and we were talking about he was he was working on something and he was like you know i was in this group or whatever and then i messaged this guy and you know everybody everybody that's above your level is almost like a celebrity right <laughs> and so he's like i i felt like i messaged him and he was like i was kind of a fan you know and i was like what the heck and he messaged me and the next thing you know he's like hey here's my phone number give me a call and it was a really cool conversation um with my friend tom and we were basically he was like we were like talking we we're like you have access to some pretty awesome people as soon as you want this is something we've never had before yeah i would agree i think i think um that experience it, it's a paradigm shift you know when people start to realize that uh you know you're really one conversation one connection point away because it, you know you think about it in a different way than we used to you know, when you were to show up to a party and you were to talk to somebody, they'd say, oh, you're friends with so-and-so. And that was the transfer. You know, it was an active transfer of credibility. To Actually, that's how you got a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Between that. And oh, so you know, Johnny. Oh, how good do you know, Johnny? Oh, not that good. Great. Would you like to go out? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, you think about that, that experience has shifted dramatically anyway um but i think when you're online especially now it's like you have content you have context within a few minutes that's why i think story is such an important vehicle mm -hmm. for me is like within a few minutes you know whether you vibe with me or not you know who i'm connected to by my profile you have a sense of what i do and then the next question is what does that mean to you do you want that to mean something or not and then it's you know seconds away <laughs> from a a comment, a messenger conversation. Um, so it, it's just so accessible now. And and really what it what it means, though, is that you have some choices that you need to make of how you're going to use your time. Like how do you that. want to connect with people? And and then how do you want to show up? Yeah. I think um, something that's interesting about storytelling, and I think that it might, you know, those that do a lot of it. I don't know. Can you can you sing and can you sing and play? Are you a yeah. play? And yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I realized that I'm actually better, you know, at the chop where I can like pick it up and then just start making stuff up. <laughs> and that was a, a skill actually that, um, and maybe you'll kind of get through this because I think that in storytelling, these are important, but I remember my father when I was younger and then people have kids, this might be a good idea and you could probably back this up. But when you tell these stories, when you're a kid, you kind of teach kids the charismatic ability to kind of release these this information in a certain way. And my father was like that a lot when we were kids. He just make up stories, tell stories, do all those things. And many times they weren't real, but they really created like this environment for you as a kid. Do you find that those kind of things, um, when we pull out stories of ourselves, do you think that it's finding things that are for other people or do you think it's better that we attach it to our own personal experience and then express it that's a great question i think <clears throat> i think for me it's been about really relating personal experiences to to situations because there's two reasons one is it's a little more disarming when you're relating your own personal experiences um if told the right way because some things can be self-aggrandizing you know you could just it's so it's just an extension of look at me i'm amazing but when you can be vulnerable speaking about yourself it's like a next level because now all of a sudden people will come and they'll read my story about you know most recently it was about soccer so it was just i'm coaching my son in soccer and i didn't play soccer to simply see the score at the end of the game right. that's right i you decided know, and to it coach was, my son's u2 team this week and was thinking about my days playing. I was actually going to ask you. Ah, look at that! Cool. Look at that! I was so, prepared. Yeah. So, so from those types of stories, you know, it's a way to share perspective. It's a way for them to connect because you're going to remember there's three things that when people come into your world or your field or you know depending on what you believe is, you know, first you have to be aware of them, and that's the no factor. We hear this no like and trust a lot, but no like. They have to actually have an affinity for you and trust. They have to trust that what you do is uh, credible, it's useful for them, and that that you're someone who can help them. And right now, I'll say the attention span of people is so short that oh, you, you know, a, a seven day nurture sequence via email, you might get two messages read. It. I used to do that. I mean, I would spend hours writing email copy, and 
they would all get read and I would be converting clients and that was great. And then that started for me to trickle off and clients. And I started to say, man, I've got to, I got to really figure out a way to have that same experience of nurturing people through storytelling, but I can't rely on all the traditional methods. Not, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth and time uh, to continue to text people and try to get them to, to nurture all these different ways. So for me, it was like an aha moment when I just said, well, people find me through my profile. And if I have my, my content right there in story format and I'm pulling from my experience and sometimes clients experience or friends or situations, then people will, will be able to quickly go through and start to get an affinity for me, start to understand what I do and trust. And it, it actually works. You'll see somebody comes in, starts liking something, liking another few minutes later, and you actually could see in your notifications, it's almost like a red light, green light game. It's like, ooh, this is somebody who's resonating. Mm -hmm. Let's just reach out and say, hey. And, and it's funny, literally, that's what people will pay me to teach them. It's like, how do I get that to happen? And how do I say hey to somebody? And it's uh, it's interesting once once they know you, they feel like they really know you once they've started to read your personal perspective and not some fabricated, you know, oh, Johnny told me that blah, blah, blah. They start to hop on a call and it's like they're asking you questions about yourself uh, or about your experiences. Mm -hmm. And it would have taken me, I don't know, I, I don't even know how I would have built that trust with them prior, put it that way. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have to use, you know, we always had that. And I was in, on here, I talk about always be closing all the time. The only reason I say that is because there was a framework for you to build a relationship, you, you know, break the ice, and then you would create a rapport and you do yeah. all those things. But you really don't what, what we're talking about here is that through the story is that you don't have to get on the phone and take that, that short period of time and get them to listen to it. No, I can trust you within 30 minutes. And so and that, low, 100%. You're and, I, and I think up. it's, yeah, and I think it's um, sorry to talk over you there. I think it's, it's one good. of those things where I'd like to say that it was something intentional that I I realized I did. It took me a long time to realize that I was using story not even in just this context, but from stage. You know, I had to motivate five hundred you know sales reps, um, and it was actually a pretty you know tough story. But it was a month after my dad had passed away, and I had to go speak, uh, and I it was about motivating them and setting the direction and the tone for how they were going to go crush their, you know, million and a half quotas each this year. And I couldn't bring myself energetically to, to be honest, to give a damn. Um, and you were grieving and you had a lot going on. Yeah, so. I was grieving. And so I couldn't get out of it. But then during that experience, I was like, well, why are we here? You know, in this case, they were, you know, they were selling medical devices. And I was like, all right, so I just went through something um, with my dad and it was a really profound experience. And so I got up on stage and it was almost like surreal floating. I put, just put his picture on the screen and just started to talk, tell the story of the last you know, month of his life. And I closed and I still, this is like the only part that I can vividly remember. I just remember saying uh, somebody to the effect of, so you're not just out there selling something, you're out there uh, giving people one hug, one more I love you, and, you know, mm, one good. last moment, you know, with their loved ones or another yeah. moment with their loved ones. And then everybody erupted. I broke out into tears and I walked off the stage and then I had like, that was a pivotal moment for me to realize mm. like, wait a minute. I went up there with this intention of saying all the right words. Mm. Structural, like, uh. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, watch, watch was, ten, watch, go watch ten motivational speaks. <laughs> go watch ten different, you know, motivational speaking, you know, events. And they, oh, okay, I could pull three of those things, plug it in, and then give you yeah. a motivational speak. Yeah, but yeah, instead, you people, made it. You decided to make it personal, exactly. Which people have, and I think that what you're saying is people have personal problems. They do. I think, you know, and I think people struggle with with okay, what stories do I tell? Well, the reality is that. You know, there's a saying, you know, you could sell ice to an Eskimo. I said, I can make any story mean anything. <laughs> That's sort of a saying that I say. Sure. It, it really comes down to the same story can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different contexts. And it matters how you draw the parallel and what the lessons are. Um, the story doesn't change, but things that you may emphasize might change. Um, you may draw a completely different lesson out of it for from different perspective. And that's the beauty of it. The, the, the actual 
when it's your own life experience, the experience doesn't really change. But as you evolve, when you look back on that story, you have new epiphanies. And it's like a never-ending treasure trove of you educating you. <laughs> it's sort of a, cool. a little bit meta. Yeah. I think that, um, so I was, here's a story for you. I was living in Thailand and I'll never forget. And it kind of is a double, double whammy here. But I remember living in Thailand and I remember I had left because I had a lot of things collapsing in my life. And, and I was like, I'm going to go and, you know, kind of regroup. I don't know why I decided to do that in the jungle in Thailand. I, I think that's <laughs> another story. <laughs> but I remember when I got out there and, and all I had was this little motorcycle and I used to call it the green machine and it was a little scooter. I remember things just collapsing in my life and kind of trying to figure some things out. And as I was riding that motorcycle, I was like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, the one thing about this is I'm riding this bike right now. Things aren't good. But I'll never forget looking up and going, but I can sell. And at the end of the day, you can't keep a dog down that can sell stuff. And I remember just sitting there and I'm going, I'm going to be able to, this is where the caveat is. I'm going to, I'll probably be able to use this story someday. And I remember that moment of going, man, I was down and out and I'm just riding this little bike. I got nothing. I'm losing everything. But I knew that I had something. And then even in that moment, I thought this could be an asset. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, it's, it's interesting. So there's a, there's a story, um, and I'm going to butcher it just because of uh, <laughs> my memory time. after the flu. But <laughs> just um, say time, uh, just say yeah, time. time. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, time. Um, but, you know, it, it was it, there's there's something that happens, especially at those low points in your life. So they, the story is um, is around the Holocaust uh, victims, you know, and so when they're in the concentration camps, and it's in a book, but um, I can't remember what, what book it was in. But it talks about how in the concentration camps, those that understood and had a vision for the future where they were actually leveraging this story that they were living, they were, they were writing a story about in the future how they went through this pain and what that pain uh, meant to them and how they were able to transform it into something bigger, actually lived longer. And those that, that didn't, see themselves and as this being a learning experience or this being a story that was going to produce something actually didn't make it um, wow. and it's it's pretty tragic but i think that's that is true so when you're on the when uh, i have unfortunately three kids with epilepsy um they're mm -hmm. amazing kids uh, otherwise you know like people look at them and they don't you'd never think anything that's sure. epilepsy for you but from any moment to the next, it could go from totally amazing highlight to threatening their life. Mm. You know, it's that kind of situation. And so, yeah. you know, it's even weird to say that. So matter of fact, right now, but that's how often we've you're done in good this company. Um, we, okay. So, you know, so with them, most of the, the big breakthroughs and aha moments that I've had throughout my journey have been in an ER bed staring at my daughter hooked up to you know the eeg and usually the eeg's inpatient but mm -hmm. you get the premise so hooked up to some machine or in an environment where i should be completely destitute and broken but in fact it's become a source of wisdom and power because it, it's instant perspective you go from this hustle and bustle of like that person treated me poorly so that's such a big deal or i didn't get that deal or i didn't close that to okay, I'm here, what matters to me the most? And it's that girl, and it's making sure that her life's amazing, my life, you know, in representation of, of what life can be is amazing as a reflection, and that she doesn't see limitations. And those things are just fuel that continually burn. And then um, I didn't realize this at the time, but for some reason I would always take, we would, my wife and I would take pictures of our daughters. We have two with epilepsy and my, our son, when they get, they call it the rainbow hair. So when they go in for the EEG leads, it's multicolored rainbow hair. And so we made it this thing. And so they always ask yeah. us to take these pictures of them in the rainbow hair and send it to their sibling. And so yeah. we did all those things. Um, but then realizing that for my kids, this is a, this is their story and mine, right? It's our joint story mm -hmm. of something that can empower other people to say, when when you feel like you can't you can right when you feel like you're broken you're not right you are 
This, these kids are just as perfect as every other kid out there. Yeah, they have this situation, but they're stronger, they're more empathetic, and they have more to give because of it. Wow. Not, um, not that they're broken because they have something wrong. So I know I want to. I think there's a saying that goes with that, and that is that we're a result of the story, and I'm probably butchering this, but we're the result of the story we tell ourselves. 100%. You know, and I think that <clears throat> obviously business owners and entrepreneurs are here, and, and obviously I learned through these two. But ultimately, we tell that same thing in business as well. We tend to be like, oh, things aren't going to be good or I'm out in this market and there's no one buying in it. And that guy's making money. I'm not, it's, there's these stories that we tell ourselves. And I think that even people that aren't storytellers, they're telling themselves a story. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you just, so to hit on that, you know, when you think about it, the reason why is when you really go back to it, it's story is such a fundamental element of human evolution right? Regardless of what you believe, it's, it's the medium by which we still have knowledge to give. You know, the, the, the reality is that, you know, if you think of it as like cavemen and, you know, cave paintings, um, or sitting around a campfire, if you think about it, and I'm, you know, we have roots in Cherokee Indians and the tribe, like everything there was, was transmitted by story. When you think mm -hmm. about all religious, um, text there i was just gonna say religion is full story yeah yeah and so you know in the end it's it's a natural state of being for us to to understand and interpret these stories and what's really amazing is that once you see the structure of these stories they're they're all so incredibly similar you know the context changes the you know the hero changes the you know situations but in in essence you know the same pattern that I read to my kids every night in their children's books are the same, same structures that we use in text to, or motivational speeches to inspire people, you know? And that I think is so cool to say, because that also says that the way we receive information is a lot of the same when everybody thinks that it's not hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that you ever, you ever read, uh, or it's a great book, but 48 laws of power. Uh, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Picked it up and put it down. Yeah. Well, um, it's a pretty intense no, book, no, no, no. but the story, but again, the story, right? So he goes in and actually tells the story of the truth to have power. And so I think that even in these things, like where I'm kind of getting at is like, even though you think that your story is maybe you don't want to get it out or anything like that, or you do this framework, but that is how people receive you. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if and, you're not and, telling them the story, then they're making up their own story about. Ah, uh, that's a great one, dude. That's a good one. So there's a I'll just flip that. Like there's if you were ever in sales or so, there's an old saying when you're going like head on in sales or whatever. It's like either I'm selling you or you're selling me. Mm -hmm. And kind of what you said is it's like there's a story. If you like it or not, you have a chance to change the story if you want. A hundred percent. I'll uh, say that was a big, you know, so take the sales, for example, um, being on sales calls for me, it was a scary experience in the beginning, you know, really. And I'll say, you know, it's, it's one of those ones where, because you've created a story about the prospect, about what their life is like in your own mind, <laughs> if you're, you know, especially early on. Uh, and those stories can be they, oh, they want to do this, but they don't have enough money or based on what I've seen of them online, you've created this narrative about who they are. And similarly, you know, they're coming to you with sometimes other people's stories applied to you. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a huge issue in, in what I do because it was, you know, you could call it internet marketing, online marketing, coaching there's a lot of burnt people with negative connotations about what it means to work with somebody in that space. And so, you know, that story was coming in and being applied to me and I was letting it happen in the beginning, Ooh, letting yeah. them use that. And yeah. so you see it in the questions, you see it all that. And I realized uh, when I started to sort of share my, my story from a personal perspective more openly that that stuff just went away. And I didn't even realize it because people were, they were already in touch with me. They already, again, that know, like, and trust, they already had an idea deeply, probably more so than any other person that they're interacting with of who I was, what I valued, what my life was like. 
And so then it was a conversation about, all right, what are we going to do together? And it's not uh, always that because they've already. Yeah, they, because people like to work with people that they like. <laughs> exactly. And people that are like them. I mean, that's yeah. the biggest thing It's like. I think in the early days, you you take all comers. And so you're trying to convince people of, oh, I need I need to, to close the sale. And so everyone tells you, like, you need to lean out or lean in. And I just it was too complicated for me. It was like. I just want to make sure that the people get on the phone are the right people. And so, you know, from that, being able to reject people that don't resonate and attract those that do, it, that's the goal so that the right people are hopping on with you. And I think most of the world that I, I experienced from 2014, you know, 2015, when I was first in online marketing was like, be polarizing, reject, you know, that was how you rejected the people and then attracted the people. I just never resonated. That wasn't my style. Mm. And so, you know, for me, it was about really at a core being vulnerable, being open, being honest and connecting at a, at a deeper level with people. I just had, I couldn't operate in any other way. And well, I was so a, it does the yeah, same thing. Yeah. No, I was just going to say it does the same thing, but yeah. I had to get over that mentality of, well, I can't, I got to be polarizing. I got to be in your face or push people away. And it was like, no, the people that are that, that want uh -huh. the, the different style are just not going to resonate with my content, my story. So they just naturally floated away. And the algorithm of Facebook or whatever other medium you use is doing it as well for you. It's, you know, the same thing that caused the election to be fragmented years ago um, is the tool that actually brings tribes together because it's mm -hmm. the words you use, the way you talk, um, and those that interact bring more that interact that, you know, it, it's a self-fulfilling machine really at the end of the day uh, and all, all sides benefit, you know? Yeah. You had, um, let's go back to that year and you made a statement and you said, stepping out from behind a brand and becoming a face can be scary. Trust me, I've been doing it myself and it scared the crap out of me. It's also one of the best things I've ever done during that time. That was right around August of 2015. What was going on? Yeah. So I think, um, so I've been in corporate marketing and I, and a full disclosure, I still am. I run a $200 million business, um, in, in that. And, um, but one of the things early in the online marketing days was, you know, you had, you had really strong, um, I would say it started out with really strong branding, like websites mattered, you know, the, the logo, it probably mattered a lot less than we thought it did, but, but like, <laughs> you know, people stood behind these brands and the idea was you had to build a brand that had staying power. Um, and it, it was reinforced because that was sort of like corporate America at the time still, you know, it was hmm. like residue from the nineties and early two thousands. Um, but this new approach of, you know, it was one thing to be the face of the company, but you're still mm -hmm. talking about the company and what you do. I took a leap of faith and started to share more openly. And, and it's funny you say, like, look back at it now on that type of a post is I just came out and started sharing things I believed in at a deep visceral level. And I started to share things that people weren't talking about, you know, the, the fear, the uncertainty, the doubt, um, the, you know, and I think that was right around when John Lee Dumas started popularizing imposter syndrome. Uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, it was a really interesting time in, uh, in my life. And so stepping out in front of that and being that face and sharing more open and honest, it, it changed everything. But, oh, my God, it was like now everyone knows my business. They know who I am. It's like that same little scared kid that says, well, if people know who I really am, are they still going to love me? I was just, dude, I was just going to transition to that. Good job. <laughs> I think that that is such a key. So kind of recapping, I mean, we're obviously talking about this, but just like getting it straight to the point, telling a story makes money. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if we go from there, every celebrity that you ever see, you're really attaching them to the character that they played in a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at these superstars, you're like, oh my God, no, Angelina Jolie. You don't know Angelina Jolie but you do know which movie she did with Brad Pitt and how that went down and how he whooped her ass. And the, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. little, and then when you see her, you're like, Oh my gosh. And it's, you know, you create this character. I, I think that also sometimes people see people do vulnerability and this is something I've always 
I've always thought about because I think that there's a place for these things. But like I saw someone right now, he's a pretty well-known guy, and he was telling a story. Seems like a cool guy. I don't know him, but it seems like a cool guy. And he was telling a story about how and he's got a girlfriend right now, and he's and he, he's in the marketing world. And he's telling a story about how, you know, he was a womanizer and he liked women and now he's dating and how does he stick around? And I'm like, at what I think certain people are like, at what level do you start? <laughs> do you indulge everything that those stories on social media actually affect like just normal people around you? Does that make sense? Hundred, Yeah. So I, I, think, I think that there's yeah. something I think there's something right there. And I've always thought about this where it's like you've kind of done a like you're kind of damaging everybody else in normal behavior because I think that sometimes we forget to separate our business from our normal lives. And so I'm always curious about, especially a storyteller, is there a governor or, or man, maybe there's some things you couldn't, or maybe just let it fly. And then that's the audience, you know, whatever it is, you know, ends up saying, I like to get whipped with, you know, leather straps or whatever that is, <laughs> you end up finding that person or something. Do you think that there's a, do you think there's a healthy way? You know, because if you got on here and started expressing all the issues that you have with your family and uh, assuming you're married and, you know, you have family, you have your wife or you have your kids or whatever that is. And then you're just expressing all that. Does that do more damage in your home? Or are you just getting the money because you're, I don't say the word whoring out your story, but you get what I mean. Hmm. Yeah. I, so I, I could say that that's probably the big, the, the single biggest thing that holds people back from sharing their story is that fear of, is it going to do more damage than good? One thing I would say for me, the the you all, everyone's going to need to find their line of what they're willing to share, what they what they want to share. So I would say, you know, you, you can't necessarily take my recipe of what I share and how mm -hmm. I share as the the default standard. I could say the medium of story. That's the point. First and foremost, we turn a story into a visual image. If it's the right story that takes you from a place of, <clears throat> of if your story meets them where you want them to be, you have to start the story at the place where, where you want to pick up right in their mm -hmm. life. Because the that's alchemist story, right? Yeah. And you, so you want to attract them at that point and then you want to bring them to, uh, through an epiphany to a result and that result, the lessons that they learned, and then you want to take them from there to say, hey, let's work together from the business context. But it's the same thing you do when you're talking to a coworker or you're talking to a friend. You're telling telling a situation that happened. You have in your thoughts, you know, where where you want it to go. And so you're you're leading the conversation there. So you're doing it anyway. Take a you know, take a step back. One thing that I actually learned from Brene Brown, which is not a typical name you'd hear in the internet marketing world. Sure. Um, was really interesting and it made me do a double take was that the emotions that you put into the world matter. And one of the things that I've been conscious of is what is the end emotion that I'm leaving people with? Because Ooh. it's a really big, you know, there's, there's two things. What's one the is, cliffhanger that they're like, emotionally attached to you what's that emotion do you want them to be afraid of something do you want i yeah that's awesome. exactly and so i think one of the things that is really important is you know i don't necessarily want to reverberate from my story a negative outcome that leaves people feeling sad mm -hmm. that's not where any <laughs> i don't want to be remembered for the guy that makes you know makes people depressed but i could very well do that right i could leave my story at a place where it's like okay, you know, this week we were in the emergency room for the, you know, for the fourth or third time in three weeks um, because of the, you know, my kids' medications, they couldn't mm -hmm. take them, blah, 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 and then stop. And I get a lot of likes and a lot of engagement to that. Truthfully, you, you can. Um, but that's where I think whoring out comes. It's like, yeah. I just, now I feel better because I put that out there and people feel bad. But now I've imprinted that feeling on me. Now they look at me and I represent the sadness. A victim and or yeah, the victim. And, you know, in reality, so you, you have to process the things that are going on inside you before you're ready to, to share. And then you would probably flip that just by listening to you it's like at the end of it. But we had rainbow hair day and, you know, it really turned out the way that we wanted to. And just in the couple sentences, you've changed your trajectory of the emotion of that entire story. Exactly. And you've I mean, you've taken people from a perspective to say like, whoo, wow, you know, like 
even in the worst of times, you can turn it around and you can have, you know, learn something out of it. Um, I think that's the key. So, you know, it doesn't even have to start. It could start from a high point. You know, it can be, I just got off an amazing call with an incredible client and, you know, here's what we went through. And, you know, you can start and end, but you just got to be conscious of it because, you know, in the end, um, it does make a difference. You know, if I read a story from from you or I listen to, to a, one of your podcasts and in the end I feel sad, well, I'm going to take that with me through my day and interact mm. with my kids in that way. And mm. it takes a lot more to overcome that negative emotional state wow. yeah. um, than it does to, to you know, move on from a, a neutral or positive state. And I think a lot of marketing is still suffering from that aspect, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt is what, what is typically sold. And it's actually, you know, we call it FUD, right? Your, you know, your goal is to, to plant the uncertainty and to leverage their fear of, of whatever the other outcome is, the pain, you know, we, we really center on that. And while the problem and the pain, you, you do have to agitate and you have to make sure they're aware, you don't want to leave them making a decision from a state of fear, because then the minute the transaction's over, they're going to be second guessing that decision. Ooh, you just got real psychological. That was really <laughs> yeah. good. Stop. We got to go back there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was really good. Do, do that again. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, when we talk about this in a sales context, especially, yeah. you know, the goal is to agitate that pain, make sure that they understand that pain, but you don't want to leave them in that mm -hmm. pain and in that fear because FOMO is real and a lot of people will get some quick hits. And so fear missing out. Yeah, I need to take advantage of this. But if you leave them in a state of fear after that transaction is made, if you or even before that transaction is made, the first thing they're going to start doing is second guessing themselves, second yeah. guessing their decisions, which is, you know, why a lot of people say you got to get them a quick win right afterwards. A quick win elevates them and improves their confidence, gets them to say, I made the right choice. Um, or you have to, and my, my thoughts is if you can actually inspire them to buy, that's the best possible outcome. Cause you have hope. Cause you have hope. Yeah. yeah. And in the end, you know, if nothing else, they're walking away from that, that conversation enriched if they don't buy and if they, and likely they're going to come back because they're going to remember that. And if they do buy right then, then they're going to probably come in with that same energy yeah. and then you have the ability to then take it to the next level. So, so when, when we sit down and you're trying to create stories, um, you know, do, do you, do you look at people and say, look for ingredients that people would trigger them? Like, for example, um, the move 30 story and moved, um, this brand and everything. The story is that I was, I won't go all the way into it, but I was riding my Harley Davidson up through the grapevine. And as I was going up the grapevine, you got to make sure they have a lot of gas because it's really, really tall. But when you go down, I would always go down when it's around 430 in the morning, because that's when the sunrise would go. Mm. And when the sunrise would come up, as you're going down that hill, you start to look at all the pistachios. But as I'm riding my Harley, I have a road glide. Since you have all the senses, you start to feel like a vanilla on you. It feels so good. But as I was going down this time, I kept telling myself I'm always on the move. And so what my question is, that's kind of the, the transition, right? So as that story, one thing that I kind of always look at is like, can you add some cool detail? Like, can, some, like, can, they, can they connect to something? So in that kind of story, I don't know if that was a good story or not, but basically, you know, when, when you do a story like that, how would you enhance something like that? Or, you know, do you carry things that in detail? Like if I were to be like, oh, you know, and I got this, you know, I was going to take a drink and I was drinking this time because I've been thirsty all morning but it was a zero and I'm so glad it was Gatorade. Do you see what I'm saying? Cause I think yeah, that people yeah. make stories. They don't, they forget just a little bit of detail. What do you think? Yeah. So, yeah, so it's really interesting. I think what you highlight matters in your story. Um, a lot of people will think of things as chronological events. And I actually say, think about your favorite movie. Doesn't necessarily open with, or, or I think the most impactful ones, they open with a tense moment. And then, you know, that's so one great formula that I love. And, and I think actually Russell Brunson, it's in his book too. Um, I was always, people say, oh, Russell teaches that. And I was like, I was doing it before Russell. <laughs> well, not, on this podcast, I'm going to give you the clout. And I think thanks, he copied thanks. you. Appreciate you got that, brother? I, I got you. I'm gonna right. 
I'm gonna, um, and actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw ads to this. <laughs> That's exactly right. But so, you <laughs> so, you know, but in the, in, in, you know, the way that you tell the story, right, you have, you start with a tense moment, some sort of hook. Um, and that is his, I didn't, I never call it a hook, but you start with a tense moment and, and that really shocks people out. And then, you know, you kind of work back and the detail that you highlight, you know, is like your backstory. So, uh, you know, I was like a good example is to use that stage um, example and say, you know, I I was, you know, I was standing there, my heart was beating out of my chest. And then I go back to that. That's the hook. And then I go to the stage of now I got to set the stage of like, what the heck does that mean? I'm going to say, I had to go on stage to speak to 500 people and to motivate them only um, four weeks prior, my dad had passed away. Mm. Right? And it was like, whoa you know like okay there's backstory and context and then you know as i as i walked up on stage and i you know flipped his picture on the screen blah blah, blah. so it's like you know what i'm doing is i'm presenting the visuals to you so you're actually that's the most important part it's not like and then you're going later, back and stuffing the story exactly got it exactly and Got so it. then I, you know, then the pivotal moment is like, you know, for me, it was like the aha moment in that story is when I said the last line and the entire audience, the entire audience stood up, yeah. erupted, you know, tears were streaming down my face again, very visual, very visceral, um, you know, and then from that story, it's like, that's when I realized the power of, and I think that's important. That phrasing is really important to use for people is like, that's when I realized, or that's when it all changed, or, you know, there's this transition point where and that's like, when I realized. Yeah. And that, you know, that's kind of like that story that I tell is like, that's when I realized that, you know, I was falling apart and, mm -hmm. you know, then you're like, oh man, I got to fix it. And then the journey is how you went and fixed it. Exactly. Yep. And then I always like to say like, you know, lessons learned can be added. They don't have to be, I think it depends on your outcome. Mm. Um, but to go back to one thing you said, which is, you know, I love to think about things as, you know, the story is just a, a, a spoken or written way to form a picture in your brain. The more vivid you can describe that picture and, and use associations, the better. And this is sort of like the, the ninja advanced stuff, but, you know, things like, um, my, you know, my feet were sticking to the ground, like, you know, taffy at a carnival or mm, like, yeah. you know, like those types of things, like you're using associations. It's almost the same thing real estate agents do when, when you go see a new house and they have cookies in the oven, ah. you know, they're actually, you know, using your, your memories, they're triggering, you know, memories at home events, yeah, at home events and that give you that positive sense. And so you can borrow that from, you know, visuals, you can borrow that from, you know, people that you say were there, that adds a credibility layer. Um, but I think being really vivid, really visual is really a key, key component that makes a story sticky. I think that um, a lot of people, maybe there's an exercise, I don't know, but, you know, a lot of people want to do that. They just don't know how do I, how do I do this? Here's a great example. So I grew, I grew up uh, in a church. We, there was only like five families and it grew up to like thousands of people. And what do you get in churches? You get testimonials, right? Mm. And I remember people <laughs> would come to the church and the testimonials would go up and it's like, how oh, my life was terrible. And they tell their testimonial, but then you'd always have this group at the side and be like, I'm not really that jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I really don't have that problem. And you know, life really wasn't that hard. You, my family had some money. We were okay. I had a good mom. We just didn't go to church all the time. Now I come because of it. And so, I think that in stories, do you, I guess I'm put it this way. Do you think that a lot of people think that there has to be this massive problem to tell a story? Like they got to have this like jacked up story so that they could be recognized as a, as a problem to solve something. Or do you think in a good story, you just find it, you have to find it. So I'll, I'll give you the best place for most of the stories that, that you can leverage. And it's, I'll just hold it up. Right. It's, it's on your phone. Right. So what I mean by that is we live in a world where we snap pictures about the things that matter to us. All right. And so the best stories come from the things that matter to you. And so when oh, you're flipping good. through these pictures, you know, they're, they're opportunities to remind yourself of the things that matter to you. Cause those are going to be 
things you can draw from, you know, from an emotional perspective deeply. Um, so I think first and foremost, so it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? It could be staring out at the ocean with your kids or yourself. It could be, like you said, being on a ride and seeing the sunset and like having that trigger in you, this, this moment, this Zen or this realization, um, they're simple things. My favorite person who actually tells, I wouldn't say he focuses it on story, but he tells anecdotes that, you know, an anecdote's just a tiny version of a story mm -hmm. with a little less focus and structure, um, is Derek Halpern, um, who I think it's now like, I don't want to butcher the, the name of it. He, he has a herbal supplement company, but he was a marketer for years. And he would tell these stories about like, he's sitting in a cafe and this guy, you know, gives him the stink eye and, you know, he asked him what he was doing and, you know, realized that the guy had something wrong with his eye. It was like something ridiculous. And his goal was just to make people laugh and engage. Um, but one thing I always found interesting was his stories were just simple little things in, in throughout his day that would happen. And he does it so well, even today, like he, or this last week, he posted one about, you know, he went into a store and the end shelf didn't have his product on it. And, you know, that he got upset because it was supposed to be, you know, the product was supposed to be prominently displayed and then come to find out it was sold out, which is why it wasn't there on the end cap. And then he goes into like, I never thought I'd build a brand like this. That's an amazing story triggered mm -hmm. from, and I know him for long enough to know, like, that's a true event. Like he just happened. Um, but you could see how like does walking in the store and seeing the end cap like that, is that a huge huge moment no but the lesson he drew got is it. a huge moment got it yeah that and i think that it's vulnerability right it's just straight vulnerability and i think that the reason this is is different because if you have a product and we kind of transition to this world of like this environment. I mean, there's so many people that are helping people. I don't even think people understand how what's going on really under mm. this little world, you know? Yeah. It used to be so product-based, but we're now selling, you know, the, 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 the information to people. So people are becoming entrepreneurs off of what they know. Yeah. So the transition of people saying, I think in this movement is like, well, Honda <laughs> has a story of being reliable because you weren't there in the beginning, their story changed, right? Mm. Harley Davidson tells its story about in what was it, 1903, right? And how the very first motorcycle to started and they show you a picture and they tell the story. So many people are like, I don't have that product story. Mm. So I think that, and I was, we were talking about offers also, it was an interesting conversation because offers, I think as individuals are sometimes hard to create because they're, they're off of your confidence, Yep, you know? And so as we look at all these different stories, I think that there's a, what you're doing is breaking people to tell their story as they are a product, but it's more genuine mm -hmm. because it's you. Exactly. exactly. And then the longer your resignated story, let's see if I can get this right. The longer the story resonates, that becomes the staple to what your name represents. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, because I, I think in the end, you hit on a key point there, especially when when you are the brand, you evolve. So your brand evolves. You'll always have, there's two different types of stories I like to tell people. There's your origin story, which is like, it's going to sound really ridiculous, but like, it's like a, my kids, what we have this movie, Big Hero 6, that they love to watch. And it, you know, it talks about, uh, it's these kids who come together and they become superheroes. Um, and it's like, oh, this is our origin story. And it always triggers in me these, these thoughts, but because so much of the confidence in your offer comes from having a solid origin story. And an origin story is essentially, what was your aha moment that made you choose that calling, made you choose that, that mission, um, gave you the conviction to move forward in the way that you're moving forward. And then specifically when things get shaky, you go back to that, that story, that origin story. And you say, is, am I still feeling that? Can I get back Ooh, into that state? Yeah. You know, that's, that's actually really good. Story. 
Yeah. And and we were just talking. I don't know. I think cars is probably like the easiest thing to talk about because like transactions are dumb. They've been around for so long. There's like bait and switch, all these things. Plus, I started the car business. I was young, so I bring it up. But it's like you're right. It's like the story against the product is the thing that you're creating for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you become like that product. I had a good I had such a good question for you. Dang it. I had a really good one. I was like, and you nailed something. So I was like, oh, that's so good. Um, oh, here it is. So we talk about marketing and we talk about these different things. And, you know, I, I talk about a couple of things to get into momentum and there's stages to these things. And I think that a lot of these programs, one of the things that I'm kind of combating in our move 30 is like a lot of these programs, like, okay, go message these people, go do this stuff. And that's fine. You're going to just basically go out and it's a numbers game. You're going to kind of make that happen. <laughs> ready for it? Get ready. Sure. I need, what would be your best pitch to start with the story? Not the guy that not going against all the great guys we've had on here, but you know, if the offer guy, he's going to say, you should start with the offer. You know, you've got the funnel guy. So hey, you should make your funnel page. He's going to say, that's what you should start with. You know, you've got your marketing brand. Oh man, you should get in your, you know, your, your branding done, your design, whatever that is. Mm, right. Yeah. Why would people start with their story before any of that? Yeah. Because it's not here. And I think that I'm going to help with the challenge here a little bit. Sure. I think the, the hard part is the story is asking to manufacture a product and people are trying to grab a car and they're just trying to sell whatever the metal has on it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just did it for you. But <laughs> how do you feel about that? If I'm butchering this, but I'm trying to get something out and yeah. if it's coming out correctly. But what do you think about how do you how do you say look do your story first what's your yeah pitch on yeah that? sure no i that's a that's a common thing that I, I i i talk to i think the reality is that <clears throat> your story is your message right if your messaging doesn't land first you i will say that if i had to say where do you start start you know from ground zero I would say your your origin story should be supportive of your mission. So you should actually first, you know, you have to decide some things like who do you who do you want to serve? Why do you want to serve them? And how do you want to serve them? You know, what is the pain that you're going to solve? And and um, and you don't necessarily have to know the how yet. But, you know, I think those are important questions first. And that leads you into, OK, what is the origin story that you're going to? Yeah. I wouldn't anchor. say menu. What's that? Anchor. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to anchor off of because, you know, in the end we, we have multiple, um, probably multiple aha moments that lead us to things, but there's generally one pivotal moment in your life where you just kind of, you know, felt it like you had that spark of inspiration. That's the moment I ask people to come back to like, where did it just click for you? What was, where were you sitting? What were you doing? Um, what happened to trigger that? And it can be literally anything. It'd be a conversation like this. You know, I was sitting on this podcast and I was talking to this amazing guy with his hat that just inspired me. And, you know, it was that moment when he asked me this question that it, it triggered me to say, you know what, this is what I wanted to do for the next, you know, 10 years of my life or, you know, the yeah. rest of my life, whatever. Those, you know, that's important. I would say, why not the other things, the funnel, the different, you know, the tactics, those are all vehicles. And if you don't have a strong Ooh, message, good. yeah, then you don't have, you know, you're delivering something that you really don't, you don't have a way to connect with the person on the other end. And I think that, listen, you can say a lot of promises, big, big, bold promises and bullet point form, and people will still buy. You don't need to necessarily have a story if what you have is wildly beneficial and unique i'd say hey you know if i'm selling water bottles outside of you know uh, something that's uh, productized basically yeah, yeah. yeah something productized then great mm -hmm. but when you're working in a world where there is so there's so many options and there's so much in your face and there's so much you know attention grabbing uh, you have a choice. You can either go make bigger, bolder claims that, you know, I'm going to get you 100K in, in 10 days, you know, in your business, or you're going to lose 15 pounds in, in a week. You know, you get out more outrageous, and that just feels out of alignment. 
And so then, you know, you have to kind of go back and say, well, what lights me up that I would do for free, but now I'm charging for? And what are the type of people that I want to attract into that? And then how do I stand out? Because if you can't stand out making a bold claim, then you have to stand out by being more of who you are to attract more people that resonate with that. And the way you do that isn't by listing about a bunch of bullet points or putting them through a fancy funnel. Even in those funnels, you're telling a story. Yeah. So when I send you to a video, I'm telling a story in my video. I'm telling the story of the client that I worked with. I'm yeah. telling the story of their results. You know, it's it's all that. And I think it hangs a lot of people up because they they go to the bold promise first, um, and they try to make all these like logical connections. I tell people it's like you can't stack enough benefits to have clients just all of a sudden pop out the other side. You know, that's what I grew up in. I grew up in a world in marketing where it's like, nope, feature benefit, feature benefit, feature benefit. I grew and, up in that world too. And it was like, you know, if we have the biggest, boldest benefit, that was a race to the bottom. It's just like the price war. It's like at a certain point, someone you're losing every time you do it because there's no real differentiation. And when you're the brand, well, what is the differentiation? It's your perspective, your experience, and your and your energy that you're bringing. And how do you do that? You wouldn't say, I'm a high energy person. It's like, yeah. no, you're going to show me what that means, right? And I think the cool thing, and I, I think that this will go right into it, but with a guy like you, you sit down and you have the framework. So basically, if somebody works with you, you're like, my life's chaotic. And I don't know. Okay, let's take that chaos and let's put it right here. Hold for a second. Tell me what else is going. Okay, that could probably go down here. And then you give it to them and they're like, oh, that's me. And you're like, yeah, you're just not good at telling stories, but you're living one. <laughs> <laughs> a, good, a good story is that I had um, a, a really cool spiritual, now spiritual business coach who was in a high ticket program for 12 months going through this process, spent, you know, more money than they had on this process. And then <clears throat> they came on a strategy session call. And in 45 minutes, I just asked a few questions, use the framework, spit back out, you know, this is your origin story. And they're like, oh my God, you saw me, right? That, that's exactly what I've been trying to say you know, and that was my free strategy session call just, uh, you know, just in the 45 minutes. And because part of it is that for me, it's second nature to ask those questions. Um, but once it's a framework, like to your point, I call it the power story method is oh, cool. super, you know, the, that's how you write the story, the story growth formulas, how you do all the tactical stuff around it to get more engagement, turn them into messenger and how to use them in calls. But I think the framework it's like oh my god you can't stop seeing it it's like it's like taking the right pill in the matrix and you see it it's like you can't unsee that you know? ah good point yeah i like that you can't yeah. unsee it and i think that i think that one of the things i was going to say a second ago is it's like i think what happens in business because we are there's so much out there that you kind of go out there and you're like okay i gotta go serve all these people when you start telling your story what happens is those people start to collect around you and then once they collect around you, there's this pivotal moment that I, people don't recognize enough is that there's this pivotal moment that all of a sudden you're now leading all these people and you feel like you're leading the world. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you're like, oh, I have this thing. And you're like, dude, you only got like 50 people. Do you realize there's 300 million? But there's <laughs> this confidence that shifts there because is. of that. There is. And yeah. I think that's what people that's are true. looking for. They're it's like a release. Right. It's like, a, oh, OK, I kind of made it, dude. This has been awesome. And I probably <laughs> could have done this for 30 more minutes because you're a natural storyteller. <laughs> How <laughs> do people chat. find you? Yeah. So I, I think the best place to find me is where all my stories live. And that's actually on Facebook. So Facebook.com forward slash Keith, K-E-I-T-H-D Griffiths, G-R-I-F-F-I-S as in summer. That's what I have to say every time a telemarketer or a doctor asks for my name. Um, You'll you'll find my stories there. You can find my group connected through that, which is mission driven um, coaches and entrepreneurs. And uh, yeah, messenger, you know, messengers where everybody hits me up and I get a lot of them, but I'm pretty responsive still. 
uh, to those uh, to those messages. Well, I appreciate you, man. I'm pumped to have you on this podcast. I hope to have you back. You've got a great way that you lay it out. So hopefully I can make you a guest again. With that, thank you so much for being on the Moved Entrepreneurial Evolved podcast in the kitchen. <laughs> That's right. Cooking Thanks it a up lot, brother. Thank you. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.